Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. I don't know if you noticed in the service this morning, uh, it's all been about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Crown Him with Many Crowns was our first song. Saved by the Blood was our second song. Whosoever Meeteth Me, our choir sang Victory in Jesus. Then we sang Look to the Lamb. Then we sang Calvary Covers All. Covers it, covers it, Calvary Covers it. Yeah, you're with me. At least you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Calvary covers it all. Say that fast 10 times. I bet I could if I tried, but I'm not. Um, then we had uh, Miss Allison just sing, what a moment that'll be when we see Jesus or when we see him. Uh, this message, uh, surprisingly, too, is about Jesus Christ. Um, I believe in a local New Testament church, any message that goes out or any emphasis of a local New Testament church has to and must be, if it's of God, it will be the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, He will get the honor. He will have the preeminence. He will get all the glory. And uh, I say that to say this, be careful of any church that you go to where uh, the Holy Spirit is the main main thing there. Uh, My mom was trapped in one of those churches. All they talked about was the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Uh, Listen, I'm not blaspheming right now. I am for the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is amongst us. But the Holy Spirit is the shy member of the Trinity, and he will not speak of himself, only the things that he sees. He will point everyone to Jesus Christ. He will never bring attention to himself. Unless we're studying uh, studying pneumatology and studying about the Holy Spirit of God, it will all be about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, And that's how you can identify a true church of God. That's how you can identify true believers in God is they're not talking about the Bible issue. They're not talking about uh, the separation issue. What are they talking about? They're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ uh, because he is the one that gets all the glory. Look what it says here uh, beginning in verse 13 and and chapter 6 of Matthew, uh, 16, excuse me, Matthew chapter 16. Did I say that already? Okay. Beginning in verse 13, when Jesus came into the coast of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who the Son of Man am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some say Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he, he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Father, we come before you again this morning. We thank you for your preserved word for us. We thank you for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for a church that you've given us to come and hear about you, to worship you, uh, to lift you up. Father, we pray now that you would edify us. We pray now for those that don't know you as personal Savior, that you would uh, cut through the facade, uh, that you would bring it home, and they would trust you today. Turn to Jesus Christ with all their heart. And Lord, not just make you Lord and Savior, but make you their God Lord, please do a work. Fill me with the Spirit of God. Please use your word, use this message to convict all of us, to draw us closer to you. Make a difference today, Father. We trust you that you will, because we do ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, The question was asked here, and the title of this message is, Who is Jesus Christ to you? To you right now in your life, when you think of the Lord Jesus Christ, ask yourself, who is he to me? Um, There are a lot of people that have been asked this question 
Uh, the disciples were asked this question, and it's interesting how they answered him. Uh, they did not tell them some of the names that had already been said of Jesus Christ. This is more, it's not like Jesus didn't know what they were going to say because Jesus knows everything. Um, he knew what they were going to say, but it was a test of, of what, are, what are people actually saying uh, that I am. And I believe his disciples gave, him the, gave them, uh, him the good version of what they had already been hearing. Uh, because some of the things that said about Jesus Christ was not very flattering. Matter of fact, in uh, uh, Mark chapter uh, 3, uh, they said that he was beside himself. Uh, his friends came to them in Mark chapter 3, verse 20. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to quote a lot of verses this morning. That's why I have 10 pages of notes. I've never had 10 pages of notes before. Was that a gasp or uncomfortable laugh? I couldn't tell. Preach. Mark chapter 3 and verse 20 and 21 says, The multitude cometh together again, and so they could not so much eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, for they said, He is beside himself. He was also claimed that he had Beelzebub, or that he had a devil. In Mark 3, 22, and the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said he had Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casted out he devils. In Matthew eleven nineteen, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, behold, a gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners, but wisdom is justified of her children. But his disciples answered a different way. They said, uh, some say that you are John the Baptist, have come back. Some say that you are Elias or Elijah had come back. Or some say that you're Jeremiah or Jeremiah has come back. And some say that you are the prophets. This is uh, what some people have been claiming about Jesus Christ. And I began to think, what does this world say about Jesus Christ? How, how would somebody ask, and, and, and not in church this morning, but somebody uh, maybe not in church this morning, of who Jesus Christ really is? Uh, but even I, as I ask Americans who Jesus Christ is, I'm asking you, who is Jesus Christ to you? Who, who, who is he to you? The Americans, uh, by the way, we are Americans too. Um, uh, but number one, the vast majority of Americans believe that Jesus was a real person. That's the vast majority, but not all. The younger generation are increasingly less likely to believe that Jesus was even God. Americans are divided whether Jesus was sinless. Most Americans say that uh, they've made a commitment to Jesus Christ but you'd ask them, uh, who is Jesus to you? Uh, they're probably not in church this morning. Most Americans are not in church this morning. You do understand that. The majority of Americans are not in church this morning, but they have made some kind of commitment to Jesus Christ. And people are also conflicted uh, whether Jesus or good deeds are the way to heaven. Uh, that's what the world says. But what does the religious world say? What about the people that are in church today or are in a mosque or something like that? What does religion say about Jesus Christ? Islam says that Jesus is one of God's highest ranking and most beloved prophets. Islam considers, uh, considers Jesus to be neither the incarnation nor the son of God. Uh, Judaism rejects the ideal of Jesus being God as a person or a trinity or a mediator to God. Judaism also holds that Jesus is not the Messiah. Uh, the Hindus, Jesus was just a holy man and a wise teacher. To the Jehovah's false witnesses, you say, well, that's kind of cruel. Why would you call them Jehovah's false witnesses? Any preachers in here? Next time you say Jehovah's false witness, you say Jehovah's false witness. You don't say Jehovah's witnesses because who are Jehovah's witnesses? It's us. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. 
We are, anyway, last time I got strange looks when I said we were Jehovah's Witnesses. Anyway, uh, I didn't say that at the door, but I'm saying it here, the truth of it. Jehovah's false witnesses believe that Jesus is the firstborn son. He is inferior to God and he was created by God and none of that is true. Mormons believe that Jesus Christ was the firstborn spirit child of a heavenly father and a heavenly mother. Jesus then possessed uh, progress, excuse me, to deity in the spirit world. Catholics believe that Jesus is the one with blue eyes still hanging on that cross that they worship every Sunday. Who is Jesus Christ to you? What what did Peter say when he was asked this question? He changed, Jesus Christ changed the question uh, from the disciples to Peter. And and look what it says in verse number 15. And he he says, but whom whom say ye that I am? Who who do you say that I am? And, And Peter answered up. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Uh, This is amazing revelation from Peter because he does not have the evidences that we have. He saw the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. Uh, He hasn't been risen from the dead yet. But Jesus Christ gives an affirmative message that Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, And look what Jesus says because of that in verse 17. And Jesus answered and said, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, this wasn't a bless your heart, Peter. This is your blessed because you know this about me. Uh, this was a wonderful thing that Peter knew that this was the Christ. And, and I, I uh, began to think about what we think of, of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that Christianity, uh, Christianity uh, even this morning is not a religion? Do you understand that? Christianity is found in a person. Christianity is all wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christianity is Jesus Christ. If you take uh, Muhammad out of Islam or Buddha out of Buddhism, uh, if you take Smith out of Mormonism, you still have a system of religious beliefs. But if you take Jesus Christ out of Christianity, you have nothing. You have nothing to hold to, nothing to stand for. You have absolutely nothing because he's the essence of who we are, what we do. We do not do a bunch of religious duties. We, we serve a risen Savior. We serve the, G, the Jesus Christ who died for us. And the reason that we meet this morning is the first first day of the week. That's the day he rose from the grave. The reason we dress the way we dress, that we talk the way we talk, the way we walk the way we walk is because Jesus Christ is the risen Savior on the right hand of the throne of God that saved us and gave us eternal life. Uh, I love Jesus Christ. What are some names of Jesus Christ that we would describe? He is the Savior, the Redeemer. He is Lord. He is Master. He is Creator. He is the Son of the living God. He is Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Author and Finisher of our, our faith. He is the Word, the Rock, the Lamb of God, the Head of the Church. He is God. Amen. Jesus Christ is God. The question is, is He your God? Is he your God? I didn't say, is he your Savior? Is he your God? I do believe this. If he were your God, you would be a little bit different. If he were your God. Let me give you some verses about how Jesus Christ is God. Uh, and you can write these down. We're not going to turn to these. I want you to listen. You, you're familiar. If you've been in church for any amount of time, you're familiar with these. But they're still as powerful as the first time you heard them. Uh, John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word... The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 5, 18, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill Him, 
because not only had he broken the Sabbath, but also, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. And John 5, 23, that all men should honor the son, even as they honor the father. He that honoreth not the son, honoreth not the father, which had sent him. And then we see here in, in John chapter 10 and verse 30, I and my father are one. And John 10, 31 through 33, then the Jews took up stones to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father. Which of these works do you stone me? The, Jew, the Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy. And because thou being a man makest thyself God. John 14, 9, Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, and how sayest then, show us the Father? And John 20, 26 and 29, And after eight days again the disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it in my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And, t- and, and Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God. Jesus uh, saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are all they that have not seen, and yet have believed. I want to park there just for a moment, a brief moment. I have so many to cover, but uh, Thomas wasn't there the first time that church was meeting that first day uh, on a Sunday night. Um, but he was there the second Sunday night. This would have been seven to eight days later. Uh, that next Sunday night, that first night, Jesus appeared unto them, and the midst of them just appeared. Uh, Jeffology here, just I'm giving a commercial here. I think when we get our new bodies, we're going to be able to teleport. I just think that because Jesus Christ just was, hey, he's just, peace be unto you. And uh, they saw him. Uh, they were affrighted. And uh, they, he, get, he talked to them. And, and, and the disciples were so excited, they went to Thomas. Thomas, guess what happened? Alan, guess what happened? We saw Jesus, man. Uh, and they were, uh, Thomas said, I don't, I'm paraphrasing, I don't think so. Unless I put my hand in the print of his nail, in the print of the hand, uh, the nail scar in his hands, and thrust my hand in his side, uh, uh, Phil, uh, Thomas said, "I will not believe. I will not believe." So the next Sunday night comes. That's a good reason to be in church on Sunday night, right? <laughs> Jesus may show up. Uh, matter of fact, he's in the midst of us today, by the way. Um, but Thomas said, uh, "I'm not going to believe." And Jesus showed up again, uh, and he said, "Peace be unto you." And he challenged uh, Thomas. He said, hey, Thomas, reach hither thy fingers and thrust my hand, and behold my hands and thrust thy, uh, thy hand to my side and be not faithless but believing. And Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. And Jesus blessed him because he saw and believed. But you know, every one of us haven't seen. We cannot see. But by faith, we can believe in a risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he is God. We can believe that. We continue on. Uh, we see here in uh, Hebrews 1.8, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of righteousness is thy scepter of thy kingdom. And 1 John 5.20, And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true and are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Titus 1.3 and 4, uh, But hath in due time manifest his word through preaching, uh, which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior, to, uh, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ 
our Savior. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. John 1.3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ is God. But do you know God actually died? Did you know that God died? Jesus Christ died. He died an awful death. For, the, for those that don't know him as God, he paid something for you that no one else could ever pay for you. When, uh, when they came to take Jesus in the garden with all the, the lanterns and the weapons, uh, he spoke to them. He says, I am he. Those 500 men went backward and fell to the ground. But when they tried to take him, uh, Peter pulled out his sword and tried to fight. And uh, he tried to cut off one of the high priest servants. Uh, he didn't try to, I think he tried to kill him. And uh, I believe Jesus Christ um, said, put, put your sword up, put your sword in your sheath. My time is not to fight right now. And he told him this, he says, don't think for a second that I can't call uh, 12 legions of angels to come destroy this whole world. Uh, in the Old Testament, there was one death angel to the Assyrians killed 185 soldiers, 185,000, excuse me, 185,000 uh, soldiers, one angel. Uh, what could a 10,000 angels have done? It would have destroyed this whole world. Uh, God said, put your sword up. I'm going to allow them to take me. I'm going to allow them to persecute me and to mock me and to scourge me. I'm going to allow them to... Uh, to do all these things for me because I, I'm going to go to the cross to pay for people's sin that don't deserve it, that don't, that don't recognize me, that don't love me. Uh, because I'm God, because I love them, I'm going to go pay a price that no one else would ever pay for them. And I'm going to lay down my life and I'm going to become that Lamb of God, that perfect sacrifice of God to take away the sins of the world. I'm going to allow them to crucify me, to kill me, and, and that's exactly what they did. And, and Luke 19, 10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Matthew 1, 21, And she shall bring forth a, a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall uh, save his people from their sin. Romans 5, 8, But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isaiah 53, 6, And all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Romans 10, uh, 5, 10, and 4, when we were enemies, we are reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be, be saved by his life. Galatians 4, 5, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoptions of son. John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans ten thirteen for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John nineteen thirty when Jesus therefore had received vinegar, he said the three most precious words that had ever been said, and all of humanity, he said those three words, it is finished. And that's when he bowed his head and gave up the ghost, the work for your redemption, the work for your sins to be paid, the work for you to have eternal life and, 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 uh, and promise of eternity was, was in those three words when he said, it is finished. The price had been done. The only thing left to do was to come up out of the grave. And three days later, he did that. Praise God for that. Um, and let me give you one more verse about him dying. It's going to transition into uh, what I want to talk to you this morning uh, about, but Acts twenty twenty eight, 
The Bible says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he had purchased with his own blood. When God died, he shed his blood for this, this assembly this morning. I think sometimes we forget how, how much of a miracle and a privilege it is to be sitting in this assembly this morning. This assembly is the Lord's assembly. He purchased it with his blood. Uh, there was a, a story of a, uh, about Mackenzie. I don't know if you heard of Mackenzie or not, uh, but she wasn't trying to start a theological debate. She was just trying to make a point about Jesus' resurrection. Her Sunday school teacher had tried to encourage the class uh, with the assurance that Jesus Christ was everywhere. But for Mackenzie, that didn't sound right. So she said, I know one place that Jesus isn't. The teacher was very curious. And she replied, oh, really? Where's that? Uh, the bright little girl declared, he's not in the grave. What a great reminder our omnipresent God has chosen to keep his present absent from the grave. Uh, for just as the angel said, he is not here for he is risen. As he said, come and see a place where the Lord lay. He rose from the dead. The statistics uh, and prophecies. Uh, the Old Testament contains 60 major prophecies and 270 ramifications about the Messiah. Jesus fulfilled every one of these predictions. Uh, the probability of Jesus fulfilling just merely eight of the 60 major prophecies, I had to look this up, was 100 quad, quadrillion. There's 17 zeros after that one. One and uh, 100 quadrillion, quadrillion. Uh, to put these numbers in perspective, imagine the entire state of Texas is covered with a silver dollar two feet deep, and one of them is marked. All the silver dollars are thoroughly mixed. A blindfolded man is then instructed to reach down and pick up the marked coin on his first try. The, the chances that are occurring are the same as Jesus filling just eight of the 60 major prophecies. But consider, he fulfilled them all, all 60 of them. The probability of Jesus not being the Messiah is mathematically impossible. Jesus Christ is, is the living God. Jesus Christ is the Savior. Jesus Christ did love you and paid a sin debt for you, that coming to him by faith, you could have all of your sins forgiven, that you could have eternal life. Look what verse 16 says. We're going to transfer, uh, transition over to the church now. Uh, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Uh, and he said, and, and I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not uh, prevail against us. Uh, prevent, prevail against it. The word church uh, found in this is the is the Greek word ekklesia. Ekklesia is found, or the word church is found 115 times in your New Testament. Uh, most, uh, if not all, times there's about 15 times where it's not. It's talking about definite, definite geographical localities. The church of Philadelphia, the church of uh, uh, Corinth, Ephesus, Smyrna, uh, the church at Jerusalem, Antioch. It's talking about a specific church. And so Jesus Christ, uh, the word ecclesia is a called out assembly uh, for a specific purpose and a, and a, a specific place for a specific purpose. And when Jesus Christ said, uh, uh, I will build my church, Peter's name does not mean the rock. It means a pebble. So we know that it wasn't Peter that he built the church upon. Um, it was himself that he built the church on. He says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But he says, when I build my church, my ecclesia, he made it a very personal place. Uh, Jesus Christ shed his blood for this assembly to take place this morning. 
Uh, and so as we meet here this morning, we meet here to honor, to glorify God, and we're privileged uh, to be part of this local New Testament church. When you drove in this morning, uh, what did you see on the signs? Well, first of all, you saw our, our new uh, picnic advertisement uh, banners up there. Uh, if I didn't tell you, that's October 8th. It's going to be a great picnic. But you also saw uh, on, our first si- on our front sign out there, Madison Baptist Church. Uh, you saw it on the building right here, too. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about the fact that I'm not only a born-again believer, a Christian, uh, but I'm a Baptist, and I'm not ashamed of it. Um, I believe that um, my, my enemies gave me that name. Uh, they first called us Anabaptist because we were all those people that got saved uh, from the uh, Reform or out of, out of uh, the Protestant and out of the Reformation and all that stuff. Once they truly got born again, we were baptizing them scripturally. Uh, so they started kind of uh, dubbing us. It was a derogatory term, uh, but we dropped the Anna, and we're just called Baptist. And, and I got good kindred there because my brother John is also called Baptist, and I'm not talking about you, Ross. I'm talking about John the Baptist. Uh, that was his name in, in the Bible. And so I wanted to look at some of the uh, distinctives of a Baptist and why I'm not ashamed to be called a Baptist. Uh, these are vitally important. I want us to, uh, uh, to notice these. First of all, distinctives are marks of distinguish and difference. Uh, having the power to distinguish and discern uh, the differences uh, between uh, Baptists and all these other things. Okay, so uh, let me, before I say that, let me say this. Uh, is how many in here have heard of a uh, non-denominational church? Just about everybody in here. All right, non-denominational does not mean non-denominational. Uh, and my mom found this out when she went to the Abundant Life Christian Center there in Lamarck, Texas. I'm from Texas City, Texas, right next to Galveston. My mom was part of this assembly. They didn't tell anybody, but they were assembly of God. Uh, or Pentecostal, one or the other. I went there when I was lost, and they started doing that talking in tongues stuff. Uh, the scripture says when some comes in unlearned and lost, they're going to think these people are crazy. And that's exactly what I thought. They were gathering around. These women were all, blah, 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 blah. And it was, uh, I said, man, these people are nuts. Uh, I don't know what this stuff is. And my mom got trapped in that stuff. Uh, when I tried, when, after I got saved and tried to show her what a true church was, uh, she, my mom, and this is, you find this with religious people sometimes, they get very angry with you when you try to show them the truth. Um, that's an unfortunate thing. Uh, what I'm saying here is not, not every non-denominational church is non-denominational. A lot of people that won't come to Madison Baptist Church because of the word Baptist on it. Uh, they'll go down to uh, Cross Point or Summit Crossing or uh, what is the big one, the Church of the Highlands. Not realizing the Church of the Highlands will be more uh, Southern Baptist and some Presbyterian because Calvinism has snuck into that. Uh, same thing with Cross Point. There are some Calvinists in Cross Point uh, along with some Southern Baptist teaching. So it's not as non-denominational as they may claim to be. Uh, there's others that come across as ecumenical, and, and it's just not, it's not uh, foretelling. So anyone of here, any, if you're any of our visitors here this morning, if you're kind of church shopping or whatnot, uh, don't look for a non-denominational church because you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know which kind of doctrine is going to be coming out of that pulpit uh, because whatever that preacher studied, that's the thing that he's going to be indoctrinated you, uh, your spouse, your family with. You have to be very careful what church that you pick. 
very careful. Have some discernment about that. Just don't go where it feels good. Uh, matter of fact, go to the place where Jesus Christ is lifted up. Go to the place where you're, be, you're being challenged in your Christian life to be more godly, to be more holy, uh, to do things more for Jesus Christ, to love your wife more, to love your husband more, to raise your children better. Go to a place uh, that cares about you enough to tell you the truth. Uh, that's the place that you should really be looking for someone who thunders out the word of God. I have a good idea. You should go to Madison Baptist Church. That'd be a good place for that. Uh, our pastor is out of town today, uh, and he's thundering out the word some, uh, somewhere, and he will be back to thunder out the word, and you can uh, hear that when he comes back. So I want to give you some of the, uh, the distinctives we are as Baptists. So why are we different, and what do we hold to? Uh, the first one, and this is the most important, is biblical authority. Uh, in all matters of faith and practice, we believe the King James Bible is the inspired, infallible, and final authority for the English-speaking people. It is, it is from God's Word that we understand and teach fundamental doctrines of our faith as well as, as, as how we operate in our church. Um, and I'm, I don't have time to give a whole lesson on the King James Bible, but I will say this as kindly as I possibly can. If you do not have a King James Bible and you're visiting here with this morning... Uh, you see any one of our ushers, you see me, and I will get a King James Bible in your hand this morning. Uh, all you do is have to talk to one of them. And if you were in my Sunday school class, you know that the other ones have trappings. Uh, they have things in there that are lies. They have things in there that are not true. They take words out. They manipulate words. And if you, if you have some discernment, you won't know. If you don't have discernment, you won't know what you're reading. They said it's easier to, to understand, but it's not. It's more confusing. Uh, I can give you many proofs and many evidences. This is not just something I'm pulling out and just, just I don't have time to get in all that. But a biblical authority, uh, we are Baptists. We are independent, fundamental Baptists, and we use exclusively in the English-speaking service the King James Bible. We will not quote from any other version. Uh, we will not promote any other version. Uh, and, and bless your heart if you accidentally buy the wrong Christmas card. I'm not saying any names. Thankfully, we got it before she sent it out to other people. Like, this ain't King James. <laughs> Be careful what you print on the Internet also. Uh, don't just think that Beams and all these other places are King James. Why? Be careful what you print on the Facebook and stuff. Uh, make sure that, because that is the eternal word of God. He preserved it for us. I have to move on. Then we look at another uh, distinction is we have separation of church and state. All right, so uh, the state should have no power to interfere in the free expression of religious liberty. The civil government is a divine appointment for the interest and good order of human society, and the magistrates are to be prayed for, honored, and obeyed, except only in the things opposed to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only Lord of conscience and King of kings and Lord of lords. So we believe in separation of church and state. The, the government has no place in this local assembly of believers. Uh, then we believe in a local, visible, autonomous New Testament church. What does that word autonomous mean? It means it's independent, not controlled by others or outside forces. Uh, every church in the New Testament was autonomous. Uh, no other church said what this church was to do. The church at Jerusalem cannot conduct business in the church at Antioch. And likewise, Madison Street can't conduct business in here. And we can't conduct business over in Bethel. It does not work like that. The Lord Jesus Christ is the head of this church uh, pastor is the under-shepherd. The Word of God is the final rule for faith and practice. And we, we, we are independent. We are autonomous. 
Uh, we also believe in regenerated believers' baptism. You said, what does that mean? I have to run through these quickly. Uh, I do not want to, uh, uh, but they are, they are basic doctrines that you must, uh, you don't must, but, but I implore you to believe in that only baptism is only for those that have taken Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And it has to be by full immersion. By the way, let me say this. Any young ladies, any ladies that get there uh, that have baptism, put your hair in something where it doesn't float on the water because last time I got accused of trying to drown somebody. I said, what are you talking about? I'm a full, a full immersion guy. I believe that shows a full burial. And I was horrified when I still saw her hair floating there. I was like, ah! And I, I went down a little bit further and it looked like I was trying to drown the young lady and I wasn't. I was just making sure... Put your hair up into something. <laughs> Full immersion. I believe that. I would be horrified if, if a little pot, part of the shirt came up and it was still dry. I'd be horrified. We'd have to redo it. It has to be right. <laughs> Biblical. Get back under here. Brother Durego was fun to baptize. That was, that was a joy. If you're watching Brother Durego, God bless you, brother. I hope you get feeling better, man. We love you. Uh, but then regenerator believers baptism, it's only for believers that can get baptized. It's for a testimony. We believe that. That's our distinctive. We also believe uh, the perpetuity of the Lord's New Testament church. What do you mean by perpetuity? Uh, the institution of the New, church, uh, New Testament church as a local, visible, independent, sovereign body established by Jesus Christ uh, in the first century has existed and will continue to exist until Jesus Christ re- returns. We believe the church has always been. The gates of hell still have not prevailed against it, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Uh, so the perpetuity of the local New Testament church, and we also believe in the pre-millennial return of Jesus Christ. That's a literal millennial reign, a thousand years, uh, with Christ the King returning before the millennial begins. I'm horrified when I just looked at the clock. Uh, I have to finish uh, very quickly. We have one other distinctive that I want to park on today, uh, and that's called freedom of conscience. Uh, of your conscience. What that means is individually, uh, you get to choose. You, you get to pick. You get to choose what you're going to believe, what you don't believe. We believe that with all of our heart, freedom of conscience. So what does that mean? Number one, it means that judgment is individual. Uh, your mom or dad will not suffer judgment for you. Your wife or your husband will not suffer judgment for you. It's an individual thing. When that man lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment, he was in flames asking for a, a Lazarus to come dip a tip of his finger in water and cool his flaming tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. He was there by himself. Uh, it was an individual judgment that this man had. Uh, the individual judgment is upon you. Uh, it says this. This is a really, a really serious issue. The question is, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, look down at it. For what shall a man be profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Individual judgment. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 8, 9, it says, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with an everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Friend, there is judgment coming. It is an individual thing. You cannot fool God. Once that day comes, no more playing church. No more fooling mom and dad. No more fooling your spouse. No more fooling your preacher. When that judgment day comes, it's going to be final. Judgment day is coming. And the problem 
is you don't know if it's tomorrow. You don't know if it's 10 days from now. You don't know if it's 10 weeks from now. But the certainty of judgment of coming is real. Um, and, and there's a fearfulness um, of people not knowing Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, a fearfulness that I have, especially sitting in an auditorium this size. I know for a fact that not everyone in here is born again. I know that for a fact. And knowing that has me more cautious. I don't want to say or do something that that person says, "Eh, I don't want that. I don't want that. He said he's God. I don't want that God as my God. I don't want to say or do anything that would cause you not to turn to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. There is judgment coming, and it's a simple childlike faith of believing in the Lord Jesus Christ because the salvation that you have is also individual. Your mom can't make it for you. Your wife can't make it for you. Your husband can't make it for you. Your boyfriend or girlfriend can't make it for you. You have to make the decision in the depths of your heart that you're going to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, The preacher's responsibility is to give you the Word of God. The soul winner's responsibility is to tell you but ultimately you exercise the freedom of conscience, that free will to choose the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Today I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, In the invitation, I'm not raising hands this morning. Uh, But if there's a husband and wife and one of them are not saved, I'm going to ask you all to come forward together. You don't have to go back in that room by yourself. If there's a teenager here that's not saved and mom and dad's with you, I invite mom and dad or mom or dad to go back in the room with them as they uh, share the gospel. As the Holy Spirit is drawing someone, don't stay in your seat because of someone. Invite that someone to come up with you. Uh, don't, don't, don't put this off. Salvation is individual. You can go back there with somebody, but you have to make your own decision to trust in Jesus Christ. I made that decision 20 years ago. I got saved out of Catholicism. I don't have time to give my whole testimony, but I can tell you this. I, I grew up in a home that was divorced. My mom was married four times, my dad three times. Uh, I ended up living with a best friend and his mom, ended up joining the United States Navy, spent four years on an aircraft carrier. In 2001, I saved enough vacation to get out right before 9-11. 9-11 happened. Those people jumping out of the buildings did something to my heart to squeeze it. And uh, I, I was working at a chemical refinery on the Gulf Coast there in Texas. I knew that our infrastructures were under attack next. And there was a man that asked me, if you died, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? And I did not know that. I remember getting a lump in my throat, and the man says, at lunchtime, can I teach you what the Word of God says? I said, that'll be fine, and I thought he was after my billfold. I thought I had all these guards and protections going up, all this pride and facade and arrogancy, all this stuff go up that I didn't want God to break through, and I didn't know what was going on. I was so messed up with drinking and, and, and being lost, and I submitted to that for over six weeks. I heard the message, Jesus Christ will save you. Jesus Christ will give you eternal life. You've sinned against his love and his law, and there's an awful penalty to pay. But that's not the end of the story. You can have eternal life. You can believe on him. You can take him as Savior. And one morning, I finally believed that message at a red light. Uh, I heard a message from a preacher that I would not follow, recommend, but I know that preacher uh, shares the word of God. In that moment, 20 years ago at a red light down in Texas, I asked Jesus Christ to save my soul, to forgive my sins, take me to heaven when I die, and I got born again in a pickup truck listening to the radio with a red light shining right there in my face born again when I got to work that morning couldn't cuss anymore and that whole first year things started changing Uh, I still went around my drunk friends trying to give a witness here and there I didn't drink anymore trying to give a witness 
Uh, that didn't work too long. I didn't need to separate them from them. They weren't calling me, telling me where they're going anymore. Uh, when you mix light with darkness, it does not mix well. Um, if you're a born-again believer and you're still running around with that crowd and they're not rejecting you, then something's wrong. Uh, get saved, get born again, get serious with God. I, I am so out of time. This is, um, I'm, I don't want to, you'll remember that message forever. I, <laughs> that so judgment is individual, salvation is individual, worship is individual, and discipleship is individual. Uh, no one can make you a disciple. Uh, when I say worship, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not choose to bow down to that, that, that idolatrous uh, thing that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They went in the fiery furnace because they exercised the freedom not to worship where they didn't want to worship. You don't have to worship. God wants you to worship. If he is God, why not worship him? He's worthy of your worship. But discipleship, um, and let me just give you real quick, and, and I'm going to have to give the invitation, but let me give you uh, six necessary uh, uh, things to be uh, disciples. Number one, committed to Jesus Christ. And Luke 14, 25 and 27, and there were great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, If any man will come to me and hate his father and his mother and his wife and his children and his brother and his sister, yea, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and, and come after me cannot be my disciple. We have to, our love for the Lord Jesus Christ has to look like hate. I'm going to give you a, a very carnal, uh, non-spiritual uh, illustration of this. Most of y'all know that I love golf. I love to play golf. Every Monday morning, my day off, I go out to the golf course. I have a course that lets us tee off at sunrise. Sometimes I tee off at 5.30 in the morning, just on Mondays. I love golf. If you go to my garage, I've been hunting before. I've been fishing before. I have a dusty fishing pole, and I have a dusty hunting rifle. And if you looked at my golf equipment in my garage, and then you looked at my fishing and my hunting, you'd say, that guy hates fishing. He hates hunting. But, man, he loves golf. When a person looks at your life and examines you, your love for the things of God, your love for the Lord Jesus Christ, pales in comparison of your love to everything else, including your own family. It's a necessary thing for discipleship. Uh, also, what about a, a, a heart of a servant? A heart of a servant. Matthew 23, 10 uh, through 12. Neither be, uh, neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. You also need to be, uh, an, have an extraordinary love for people. In John 13, 34 and 35, a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another a holy life. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. First uh, Peter tells us to be holy for God is holy. Also sharing the gospel. Uh, with people. He says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel uh, to every creature. Where? Everywhere. To who? Everyone. A disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. The question I have for you is, who is Jesus Christ to you? Is he worthy of service? Uh, we had a testimony at the, the camp and uh, it was powerful. If Jesus Christ is God to you, is he able to deliver you from whatever you're in right now? 
Is he able to deliver the people that are living in fornication right now? Deliver the people that are drunkards right now? Is he able to deliver the harlot? Is he able to deliver the unbeliever? Is he able to deliver those that think that they're cross-gendered and homosexual? Is he able to deliver these people? And I say, yes, yes, and yes, and yes, he can deliver anyone and everyone because he is God. But the question is, is he your God? Have you ever trusted Him? Have you taken Him? Are you going to live for Him more than you live for Him now? Does this even matter to you? Are you just going through the motions? If He's God, then let Him be God. If He's Lord, then do the things that He says. Father, we love You, and we thank You so much for loving us. Thank You for giving us the eternal Word of God that we could know you so much better. Help us, Father, to be disciples. Help us to love you, love folks. Uh, Father, I pray for the, the gospel invitation, uh, the people truly that don't know you. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. Uh, Lord, as one uh, dear sister said, I'm, I'm not going to hell for anybody. I pray that you'd speak to some hearts this morning and they'd step out by faith, not caring what anybody thinks. But they would say, I I don't really know, and I'm not putting it off any longer. Mom, would you step out with me? Dad, would you step out with me? Husband, wife, would you step out with me? I pray as you give the invitation to Father Father today that uh, even believers would come forward and just do some rededication, do some soul searching, and that you would be their God again. You would lead and God direct them. They'd be sensitive to your leadership. Please bless in the service as we sing.